In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Now back to Loud Outs with Ryan Spielborgs and CJ Nitkowski. Well, the Red Sox are starting to get active. And you know what CJ and I love? We love gifts. We love uh, T-shirts and we love uh, spending some time with our next guest who we've both been on. Uh, his podcast, Baseball Isn't Boring. Uh, joining us now, it's Rob Bradford. It's Ryan Spielberg, CJ Nikowski. Rob, how are you today? Hey, listen, I am I am not ashamed that I pay in, in T-shirts and smiles. So that if that ingratiates me and, and gets me another conversation with you guys, so be it. Let's go. Yeah, that's right. And I have two children that have hijacked both of my Baseball Isn't Boring uh, <laughs> T-shirts, which uh, I'm going to have a conversation with. I can't remember the last time I saw them wearing them. They acted all excited. And uh, I think I'm going to work on trying to get those back from them. Uh, hey, so a little vacation for you. Tell us about, uh, do I have this right, a trip to Honduras? Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I just go on a cruise, and the Red Sox make moves. That's what happens. I mean, it's, it's just science. Right? And there is, there is something, something therapeutic or, or cathartic about being on a zip line in Honduras while everyone's freaking out over a Chris Sale trade. So it's... Uh, <laughs> You know, it's like listen. There's, there's no semblance of me saying I'm getting off the zip line over the over the over the rainforest or whatever it is to go report on the Chris Sale trade. No, it's it's not <laughs> happening. We have to separate ourselves once in a while, and and thank, thankfully a, a bunch of harnesses allowed me to do that. That is great. I happened to be uh, on a zip line two weeks ago in Costa Rica. Uh, and I was the same thing. I mean, it was like seven days. I I retired my phone. Uh, and then uh, I'm not sure if they did the harness where you were allowed to Superman across the treetops, oh, but that's what they let me do. That is, and, yes. Did you do that? Yeah, oh yeah. That was, yeah, that was, I mean, I'm never bungee jumping ever. I'm never skydiving ever. Same. Yep. That's as cl- close as I'm ever going to come. And uh, and it was pretty awesome. The whole thing was pretty awesome. And, and you know, and the thing was is that, and you guys know this, not too long ago, everything was done by Christmas, right? We knew it. We could plan. Nothing ever happened, certainly the week after Christmas. And that has all changed. There is no deadlines. It's getting worse and worse and worse. I was just I was just trying to book a GM today for the podcast, and he's like, well, you know, normally, sure, but there's a lot more going on. Can we just do it in spring training? I'm like, yeah, I guess. But this, this is a whole new world, so we just got to take our vacations when they come and not worry about anything else. Yep, I would agree. I think it certainly makes uh, some sense. So after you get off the zip line, after you have the thrill of being Superman, and you get to kind of evaluate this entire situation, the Atlanta Braves end up getting Chris Sale for about $10.5 million. I was a little bit surprised to see the money. I know that Von Grissom has a lot of value, and so part of that is paying uh, that $17 million to, to land Grissom. But what do you think kind of the mechanics of this trade, uh, the way it went down, and, and kind of the real first big one here uh, with the new regime now and Craig Breslow in Boston? Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, the people in Boston are getting a little antsy and have gotten a little antsy over the lack of big moves, and, and you lost out on the guy that everyone thought that every, it was going to be their priority number one, which is Yamamoto. And 
But, you know, we I don't think that really anybody, once you saw the teams involved in Yamamoto, thought that the Red Sox are going to have a chance at him for a variety of reasons. But still, you have Montgomery sitting there, you have Snell sitting there, and then you have this big, big Chris Sale trade. I don't think people minded it. I certainly don't didn't mind it. And I don't want to, like, cop out here, but I do think it's sort of one of these win-win trades for both teams. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think that the Red Sox, you know, I – documented and other people have documented the Red Sox have explored Chris Sale trades before. I mean, they, they, this isn't the first time. This isn't a shock that Chris Sale is being traded. You know, I, I think that this is one of the cases where they wanted to use that guy that was perceived as having value to get something they needed. And with the cost of second baseman, certainly the, the Whit Merrifield and these sort of guys, like this is a bad way to go. You're saving money. And you're doing okay. And, by the way, I do think for the Atlanta Braves, this is a good trade. I might be in the minority in that because people have their doubts about Chris Sale. But I do think this is a good trade because this is a guy in the last year of his contract. He's driven. He's hurt almost every part of his body. So how many more parts of your body can you hurt here now? But I think it's a good trade for them as well. Yeah, I'm with you. We're talking with Rob Bradford. He covers uh, the Red Sox. He has a, a podcast called Baseball Isn't Boring, which is fantastic. Um, on that note, then, give us a sense for for you know what Chris Sale leaves behind uh, as far as the rotation's concerned. I mean, it, it is a high-end starter. You saw him the last two months of the season. He, he has the good swing and miss stuff, but um, the void that, that Chris Sale leaves, are you, are you comfortable with how you're able to fill in, how the Red Sox would be able to fill that in? I think that that remains to be seen. Right now, I, it's a little bit of a risk. And, and I know that they said they would certainly say, hey, listen, we can't count on Chris Sale. This isn't a guy who we're going to – I know that, that Alex Cora had already named him the opening day starter if he was on the team. But in reality was that they knew whatever they were going to get was going to be gravy, and that's a lot to say or that's uncomfortable to say when you're paying that guy that much more, more, more money. So how it affects the Red Sox, I think it really remains to be seen, whether or not they get James Paxton, who they have a ton of interest in right now. If you can get James Paxton, well, that fills that hole right there. What else are you going to do? I can't imagine that they aren't going to try to make another move to get another starting pitcher. Um, and you know, But the other part about this is this is turning over the roster, guys. This is another part of this. Chris Sale was a leader in that clubhouse, even though he's hurt all the time. Excuse me. He was a leader in that clubhouse, and you know him. I mean, this was through all the injuries, through all the problems. He was still a guy who you would say, "Hey, you know what? He does things the right way. He's accountable. He's there for some of these other pitchers." But Craig Breslow comes in. We know this. Some things have to be turned over, and and with one year left on his contract, this was probably going to be one of them. And in return for the Boston Red Sox, they get Vaughn Grissom, a kid who's going to turn 23 years old uh, this week, actually here in a couple of days on the 5th. And it sounds like he is going to be the second base option. He never played second base in the big leagues. He's done it uh, in the minor leagues over 50 games. The the Braves were having him play the outfield in Puerto Rico. There was some talk about maybe him playing uh, some left field. He was also playing third base. Uh, Based on what you've heard so far, and I get it, everyone's going to kind of say all the right things, but – uh, the evaluations of Vaughn Grissom, is he a lock to be that starting second base? Are they hoping he can win the job? Uh, what do they think about the guy coming their way? I think, I think that right, if we sit here right now, he's the, the number one priority. There's no question about it. But remember, guys, 
I mean, this the Atlanta Braves wanted him to be the same deal last year, and it didn't work out. I think this is this is a number one priority to have this guy be their second baseman. Sure, they have some fail saves. They have you know the Pablo Reyes of the world, the Emmanuel Valdezes of the world. But there's a reason why they trade for him, and there's also the reason why they said this is the guy who's going to play second base for him. But by all accounts, he needs to get better defensively. As you said, he hasn't played a ton of second base. Offensively, he has a ton of upside. I just think that they feel like that they are willing to, to put this guy out there, see if you can get that upside that we talked about. Also, free up some money to get some other guys and, and, and then go from there. And, you know, they were going to use Chris Sale for something, and they're going to use that money for something else. So I, I don't think that any of this should be a shock. And I think overall, not that this matters, because what fans think it's, it's a good conversation, but I think for the Red Sox, a big part of what is going on right now is perception. And, and the perception of this trade was it was a step forward. Because I think people also had sort of had their fill of not being able to count on Chris Sale. And also they, they liked the idea of getting back a, a really, really highly regarded young player to sort of start this thing all over again. Interesting. We're talking with Rob Bradford. Rob, I, I think a lot when we consider the Red Sox and, you know, ownership group and, and you know, seeing some of the reactions to free agents spending this offseason, the, the only money spent was for Copper Criswell and Lucas Giolito. Um, which doesn't feel like like big Red Sox moves, but let's get into the Giolito uh, decision. It's a two-year deal, right around $40 million. There's a mutual option in here. There's a chance for an opt-out. Um, give us a sense of, of your take on Giolito's fit with the Red Sox. I think that one of the things that you cannot ignore in this Giolito signing is the inning-gaining part of it. If you go back and look, I think he pitched in the sixth inning or beyond 19 times last year. And, yeah, he, he was disastrous after those trades in the second half of the year. It didn't work out. But we all know what, how good he was in previous years and how good he was really in the first half of the year. But the biggest thing is just being able to have a guy who, oh, my goodness, you're pitching in the sixth inning. It just didn't happen. I mean, it didn't happen at all. And so they know they needed some semblance of that guy, and you hope that you would get that ERA closer to three than certainly to five. But I think that all the things considered, that they feel like he came out on the other side of a rough time in the second half of last year, both on the field and off the field, that they maybe can tweak some things and get him going and a motivated guy heading into next year. And he can pitch some, like you said, some innings. So is he going to be their number one? I mean, he could be, but I don't think they would count in on it right now. I think what they would really like to have happen is have Brian Bayo step in at number one and have a Giolito in behind him. Then, all right, you know what? We're going to give you six, seven good innings, and it'll it'll protect our bullpen, something they didn't have a semblance of last year. Talk with Rob Bradford, WEEI, and, then of course, the host of the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast. You know, Spilly and I were talking about this outfield a little bit, and I'll be honest with you, I was not paying that close attention and kind of missed out on what Abreu did last year. And so now we sit here and look at Abreu. We look at Duran being back. Of course, Yoshida uh, in that mix as well to go with Tyler O'Neill. Uh, tell us how you might break down this outfit a little bit, what you could believe in, uh, who are actually going to be out there. It seems like there's no room really to add any kind of outfielders or DHs because of the four guys that are in this mix right now. 
Yeah, well, the, the thing is, is, is Yoshida is sort of the, the tricky one here because Yoshida isn't a good outfielder. He, he he just doesn't have the athletic ability, and and you know he can put it, you can put him out there, but not. I don't think you should put him out there as your everyday left fielder, especially if you have defensive def- deficiencies elsewhere. Mm. So that's the problem: is that if you don't have a DH or you want to put Yoshida at DH, it, it's a little bit of a mishmash. Yoshida as a DH, he's a good hitter, but he's 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 not a dynamic hitter that maybe you want. At the DH spot, now you have Tyler O'Neill, a very good fielder out there. But can he be more 2021 than 2022 and 2023? You have no idea. Jaron Duran showed a ton of upside. Sure, great. You talked about Willio Breu. I think Willio Breu, what he did, really said, okay, you know what? It's all right to trade Alex Verdugo because we might get the same offensive ability from Willio Breu. What I'm coming back to is that there's still a lot of ifs, ands, and buts. There isn't a lot of certainty. There isn't that dynamic player. And I think that for the Red Sox overall, this is the problem. You need to start finding foundational players that you can build around. And everyone can say, well, you know, they did it before in 2013 where they got these guys on two- and three-year contracts. Yeah, you know who else was playing then? David Ortiz and Dustin Pedroia and John Lester and all these other guys. They need to start finding these foundational guys. Well, that's interesting, too, because, I mean – as we're digging into the roster, I mean, it does feel almost, and I don't like using the word transitional uh, phase for for any organization, but you do you do have Kenley Jansen uh, becomes a free agent next year. Chris Martin's a free agent next year. Pavetta's a free agent next year. Tyler O'Neill's a free agent next year. There's four additional pieces that you could possibly arbitrage uh, to improve and get younger. Is that what this year is going to be? It's going to be, a, a, let's see where, where we are, trade deadline and, uh, most likely, it it might be a little bit of a of a shuffling of the deck. Well, they better they better hope not. I mean, they can. This is because one of the things that I think that was sort of to the detriment of Hein Bloom, and one of the reasons why they parted ways with them was because the the A word was creeping in apathy, and that was the worst thing in Boston. You just you can't do that. You can't have that. And and they've made some missteps along the way. I talk about getting the foundational players. Obviously, the guy at the top of that list is Mookie Betts. But you had other guys who have also left. Let's go back to 2018. It's just not the same dynamic. And in and, and, and simplistic terms, like whose who's uniform are you going to buy with a name on the back? And they want Devers to be that guy. And he's a really, really good player. But he's not that player right now. He's not that guy. So they have to have somebody come up out of nowhere to answer your question and make sure that you aren't selling at the deadline again because that's what had doomed them the last two years, that they got caught in between, and, and here they are caught in between again. You have to definitively get off to a good start for a lot of reasons. The fans, Alex Cora's last in the last year of his contract, just the, 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 the belief that you're doing things the right way again, and get just getting everything back on track because it's – it has been far too long. Boston is not used to this. Usually they course correct by overpaying by $40 million for David Price or something like that. This is a different way to do it, but they better make sure it's the right way to do it. It's kind of crazy. Speaking of the right way to do it, we know uh, December 31st, everybody has to have their Hall of Fame ballot uh, turned in. How are you expecting to make <laughs> your, your ballot uh, public? What, are you, what, what kind of uh, things do you have planned? 
Well, yeah, so I appreciate you asking. So I, I, I have a lot of fun with it. I've last I've voted for two straight years. The first year I had our good friend batting stance guy do it. He was great. And then I got uh, D.B. Sweeney uh, reprised the role of Shoeless Joe Jackson, eight men out. He was eight men in, walking out of a cornfield last year, which I just randomly flew to Chicago and for no reason at all just to reveal this Hall of Fame. And, and so – so I felt I, I do feel a little bit of pressure, but I think I came up with something good. I, I can't tell you what it is. Um, it is it does drop Ooh. tomorrow. It does drop tomorrow. Let's go. And and and, and I'll I'll say this. This is the only hint. Is that there's an introductory video that is a Shohei Atani related um, item. So um, yeah. So it, you know it's. I feel like I feel like you did all right, but I, I just guys like here's my thing with it. It's like, can we just have a little fun with it? Like, can we just have a little fun? That's all I ask. And and and, and it's it's the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I take all these picks serious, and 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 I, I'll stand by all of these picks. But I just couldn't bring myself to taking a picture of my ballot and say, here it is, go get them. No, you know. So anyway, <laughs> tomorrow. All right, we we cannot wait. Here's it. some. Uh, I did some some math earlier uh, today when it came to the Hall of Fame. It was something that was crazy, and I think maybe you'll appreciate. It. Maybe you already know the numbers. Uh, three hundred forty-three total Hall of Famers. If I remove umpires, that's three hundred thirty-three. That's uh, players, executives, managers. There's two hundred seventy players that have been uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. Only a hundred and thirty-four of those were voted in, which is less than one percent. Of all players, 23,114 total players in the history of Major League Baseball. Only 134 wow. voted in. Is that crazy to you? That, that is. That is nuts. I, I, I do, as long as we're on this topic, real quick, do you guys, because, you know, speaking of Hall of Fame ballot reveals, some of these ballots, I'm just sorry, it's, they're not people who aren't putting in the effort. So how do you guys feel about it? Is it, is it done the right way? I mean, I, I'm actually curious about it. Obviously, you know, there's, there's a lot of baseball writers who are voting for the Hall of Fame right now who haven't been baseball writers in 15 years, to be honest with you. Really nice people. Yes. But, but, what's, but yes. what's your take on it? I love that part, right? We did a good job of kind of paring down the group not that long ago. Was that three or four years ago when they, they pared it down quite a bit? And there probably needs to be an active period in there. Uh, I don't know what that number would be. Maybe it's 10 years. Yeah, it takes you 10 years to get your uh, voting rights, um, which I think probably lines up well. And then it's kind of, okay, well, th- at what point are you too far removed from the game? And I think you probably have to remain active in what you do. I would be okay with, we'll give you the first five years into retirement. And that's probably mm-hmm. it. But if you're not actively covering baseball, at, at some, I don't know what the criteria would be at some level to say that you're still engaged with the game. Um then you probably got to go. I, you know, some guys, the, the thing about voting for someone, I don't know if you've ever done this or not, and then changing your mind the next year, especially for the borderline guys, has been tough. Um, there's a lot there uh, going on right now. I saw the one ballot that I think had Beltre and two Phillies in there, right? It had Chase Utley and yeah. uh, Jimmy Rollins. Like, I'm like, what's, what's going on here? Um, so yeah. th- there's, listen, I don't think we'll ever come to any kind of consensus, but it's, a, it's, certainly, um, it's certainly a good topic and one we could probably talk about for an hour. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean to get you going on that. Like you said, it's probably a whole other conversation. But but uh, it, it gets me jacked up every time this time like, it comes around. Uh, if for no other reason, I get to do something silly to announce it. So it's good. Well, we love Can't it. Wait. We appreciate it. It was awesome uh, I, last we'll year. We'll also tell you. 
Yeah, I will also say I don't think uh, players should ever be allowed to vote for for uh, Hall of Fame. I, I do respect the the writers and the BBWA uh, to kind of be the gatekeeper, and I'm fine with that. Rob, we appreciate your time. We're glad you're back from Honduras, and uh, we'll we'll look forward to seeing what you post tomorrow. See, see, words I never thought I'd be have been spoken in 2024. I'm glad you're back from Honduras. So thank you, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, there you go, Rob Bradford. You can listen to him on Baseball Isn't Boring, the podcast. It's fantastic. When we come back, the Angels, they're getting better. Maybe, maybe not. We'll get into uh, their latest sign next.